for today is the title is shining like stars beautiful so the main idea of the lesson uh, will be in Philippians 2 if you want to start to turn there the main idea is Paul exhorts the Philippians he exhorts them to work out their salvation by the power of God's enabling grace and along with that to shine like stars in a dark world. So Paul is exhorting the Philippians so that the Philippians will work out their salvation because and by the power of God's enabling grace so that they will shine like stars in the world. Basically following what Christ said, we said, you're the light of the world. Um, so go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 18. Philippians 2 chapter 2 verses 12 through 18. All right. I'm reading from the ESV. Let's pay attention to God's word. Philippians 2, 12 through 18. <clears throat> Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, whew, uh, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So last week, if you want to keep a, I mean, stay there, you'll, we'll stay there. Last week, we looked at a passage known as the Christ hymn. Um, Davy taught on it, but go back a little bit. We'll read it again. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Does somebody want to read 5 through 8 and somebody else 9 through 11? Who wants to do 5 through 8? Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of your of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. All right, so we want to read 9 through 11. For this reason also God highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Awesome. So he gives us this passage, Christ is 
God. He humbles himself to be like a man. He's a servant to these sinful people. He shows us how to be obedient, even to his own death. It's incredible. And then he follows it with the passage we're looking at now. So this passage leaves us, this passage about Christ, it leaves us in awe. It leaves us in wonder of Christ and what he did. People just aren't like this. They don't do things like this. Um, And it's followed by what we have today. Paul says, therefore, which is always a wonderful word. Like, so what you just read, therefore, take this with you, therefore. And as he looks back at what he just told us about Christ and prepares to make these exhortations to the Philippians and now to us. So he exhorts the Philippians to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. That's a big part. And another big part is to shine like stars in the sky, to shine in a dark world. Um, This passage, it also has a very pastoral tone. Um, You see it there when he says, my beloved, or as some people say, my beloved. Um, He's showing us his deep love for the Philippians, and it leads him from there, like my beloved, I'm going to shepherd you because I love you so much. You know, from prison, I'm going to, I love you. Here's what you need to do. You've been so good, but here's what you need to do to be even better. Um, He's their shepherd. It's very pastoral. And so when we read this, we can feel very shepherded by it. So notice also that there's these three connections in this passage. We won't talk too much about the connections. It's just kind of something cool to look at. Um, Paul connects God's work and our work in verses 12 through 13. In 14 through 15, he connects avoiding grumbling with shining his lights. Don't do this, and you'll be like this. And then in 16 through 18, he connects sacrifice with rejoicing. Um, Very cool connections that are very very specific to Christianity. So we're going to look at this passage in three simple headings. I don't have a board today. That's fine. So the three simple headings, the first one sounds funny, is work out, and then shine, and then rejoice. I will not have any uh, working out illustrations, so you don't have to feel bad today. Um, I had Taco Bell on the way here. Don't worry about it. Work out, shine, and rejoice. And how all of these things are ways we should live before the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, somebody read again 12 and 13 we're looking at working out what that is as a Christian 12 and 13 let's hit us again with those verses Awesome. So he gives us the Christ passage and then he follows it up with providing us with this wonderful starting point for understanding what we call sanctification. And just in case anybody doesn't know what that is, it's just a biblical term we use to describe our current point in our lives as Christians. Um, The process is when we're saved, God, God himself brings us through justification. It's the moment of being saved. And then we go through this period now of being sanctified as we live the rest of our lives as Christians. And then the much, much bigger section of our lives that goes on into infinity is being face to face with Christ and glorification. Sin is gone. And we are uh, 
we're not fully there. I actually heard a theologian talk about this, and I agree with him. He's like, it's not that when we get to heaven, we're done. We get there, and sin is gone, and we're in this very pure form, and we continue to learn for the rest of eternity because God is infinite, and there's so much to learn about him. So beautiful. Um, hmm. Sorry, I don't want to cry like my dad. So this passage, it applies, it's great. It applies directly to our current state as Christians right now. Beautiful. This verse, this passage right now. So this passage, um, it applies to what we're doing with our lifelong obedience of believers, how we do that, and that lifelong obedience that leads to growth in Christ-likeness. That's kind of, that's where we all are. At least where we should be. Um, If we're not there, we're probably in quite a few struggles right now and pretty conflicted in our minds as to what we are, who we are, and what we're doing. Um, But being on that path of long, lifelong obedience, the perseverance, that's what grants you the growth of becoming more and more like Christ. So he shows us Christ's incredible character in the previous passage, the way that he is, how sacrificially loving he is. Then he follows it up by showing us how to be like him. Very fair, very practical. Here's this guy. You can do it. Do it like him. Um, So we're saved by God, and then we work out that salvation and sanctification. As Paul teaches the Philippians, they break it down, this section, as he commends them, he commands them, and then he comforts them commends them and commands them and comforts them. So in commending them, we'll be looking at like the first half of 12, 12a. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now um, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. So he's commending the Philippians. He's saying, you've done done well. Um, He's commending them for obeying Jesus consistently, which is very hard. And he says, and he's talking to the whole church. He says that the church was obedient when he was there, and in his absence, they're doing well. And um, he commends them. This is an important thing they pointed out in the book. He commends them before he commands them. A very, so this is a great action to take with us as we learn to disciple each other, as we're called, and we are, we are supposed to disciple each other. Um, it is a really good method to commend each other, to build each other up, before we command or correct or come at each other in that loving way of like, here's how you could be even better, um, be even more like Christ. There's nothing manipulative about that. It's not like we're at some TED talk and it's like, it's ideal to give a uh, compliment before you go in for the kill. <laughs> it's not something, it's just, it's just biblical. If anything, they stole it from the Bible. Um, it's just a good practice. Oh. Considering that, why do you guys think it's good for us to commend each other before we command or correct each other? Because there are two things. There are two things that we're told to do. We're told to do the exhortation and the stirring each other up, but we're also told like rebuke, correct. Why do you think it's a good idea to do it kind of in that order? <laughs> do you say carrot and stick? Please explain. Yeah. And the stick is, do things right or the stick will be on the backside. Oh, okay. I never knew that's what the stick was. I always focused on the carrot. <laughs> or the donut or whatever. So good. Same thing as rebuking. Right. 
Why else do you guys think it's ideal to commend before command? To, to ensure that they still keep their focus on, on the things that they're doing well and continuing that way because if you, if you instantly bring focus to the negative, then they're going to lose sight of the positive things that they um, should continue to that's yes because there's there's two things going on there's there's the work that god is doing and then there's me (laughs) if you come up to somebody who is trying to do the lord's work and you just start talking about you know the other part of it the old man just like here's not going well um it's not so like it, it reminds your brother or sister who they really are in Christ, right? Brings them to the positive, like you were saying. And it just shows how much you love them, um, which I think we just saw that with the way Paul was addressing the Philippians. Um, after you do that, you can follow it with challenging them to be even better in Christ or asking questions, right? Having a conversation like, what's been going on? Maybe not just jumping in with like an assumed judgment. Um, maybe have a conversation like a family uh, would. Um, but I think jumping right in with a command or suggestion, it's not that it's necessarily wrong. It's just unwise, I would say. Particularly unwise. Um, uh, was it Proverbs is like a gentle word, gentle word turns away wrath. wrath. Thank you, Mary. Um, And so it's just unwise. It comes across as unloving. It comes across kind of like we're at work. That's not ideal. (laughs) It's not ideal to feel like we're at work here. That's not what's going on. We're a body of Christ, a family. Um, I don't know. I guess for some people here, we probably grew up with those dads where it felt a little bit like work, just like, you've got to fix this the way that you're doing this. Um, but again, not, not getting on anybody's dad. Not the most ideal way. Probably a great way to come in and point out what Christ is doing in their life and then be like, and because of that, you should, what's going on with this? What's going on with this part of what you're doing? Because you're doing so well here. I just want to see you do it better. Is, is this getting in the way of you? You know, if anything, it's keeping focus on Christ and not on like a lot of Christians and churches do focusing too much on sin and the negativity of the world and Satan's victories that are not very many and they're ordained by God in the first place. Um, and this is commanded in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. He says, the way he says it is about, about attending church is consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not, not neglecting to meet together as of the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's a lot of up going on. It's not very much the, the negative cut down. Um, that's, I think that's much more of a selfish way to approach helping somebody else. He talks about stirring up one another to love and good works. So that kind of makes sense. You talk to somebody, you point out what Christ is doing, right? And then you stir them up to that. You know, like, you're doing this. How do I get you to, you know, do this more um, as your brother or as your sister? Um, so I heard uh, Bobby Kunkel, he does the music over at Overland. He talked about this. He taught me about this. But 
at center, we should have an environment of grace as God's grace has been bestowed on us. We should not specifically have an environment of excellence. Um, This isn't how a body operates, right? So the foot, it's not about excellence. It's not like the foot's doing really well, the hand's kind of not doing so well. Needs to do better. Um, It's an environment of grace. It all works together. It's It's all been given the grace of God. So we should all give grace to each other uh, when we're rebuking and when we're uplifting. Um, and that doing it that way, having an environment of, of grace, that will produce excellence um, throughout the whole body. The focus should be the grace, and then it will produce the excellence. Whereas I feel like if we focus on excellence, if all of us focus here on like, I need to be the best Christian, I hope you're doing well, but I need to focus on myself. (laughs) It's like, that is, we're going to lose the grace. It's going to be more about, well, it's going to be more American. Um, It's going to be more about um, competing with each other. It's going to be more about getting home after church and being like, that Laura, she thinks she's so, (laughs) it's like, it's going to be bad. It's going to be slanderous and, um, at least it'll lean more that way. It's just it's safer for us to have an environment here of, of grace. Somebody comes up to you and they're just going nuts. <laughs> Maybe don't just jump off like, what's your problem, man? Just like, hey, hey, <laughs> it's like, what's going on? Um, gentle word. So Paul, he calls the Philippians to obey even more in his absence than they did in his presence. Uh, this is very this is similar to Christ. Um, Christ, he gave the great commission right, and then he whoop, <laughs> he ascended right up. Uh, his presence wasn't the determining factor of our obedience. The the word of God was been there. The Holy Spirit in our mission has given us a means to grow in obedience even more. Um, that's what growth is. It's becoming more and more, and in this case, it's becoming more and more like Christ and more and more like Paul regardless of whether they're here or not. I think that's part of the beauty of the letters. They're letters. It's like, these, this, we don't, we're not bound by um, time and space here. Like, this is a living, real word of God. This is a living movement, the way they called it in Acts. This is the way. It's very much alive. And the way that he commanded them, it's in 12b, uh, Paul then commands the Philippians, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So when we become saved, that doesn't give us like this ticket to just kind of coast through the rest of of the Christian journey. Um, It's not like signing like a life insurance or something. (laughs) Like I signed it, I'm good, I can kind of do whatever. I'll fight this battle, maybe I'll care, maybe I won't. But if I die, it's it's all good. even if you managed to, even if you managed to like, I don't know how you would do this, but even if you managed to kind of believe in Christ, but kind of like maybe work really hard on not sinning very much, but you didn't really follow the Great Commission or do any of the things that he told you to do, um, you'd still be sinning because you're not doing the things that he told you to do. Hmm. And uh, sorry, it's Henry. And on the other side of the coin. When we're saved, we also, so we can't just kind of coast. On the other side, we aren't left entirely to our own power to live in obedience. It's not like, God's got it, totally, I'm done, don't have to do anything. And it's not like, 
well now I'm like a superhero and look out world because I'm amazing. Um, it's God, it's a relationship, it's God and us. Um, considering what he's saying, what he's commanding to us, what do you think it means when he tells us, pretend I'm a new Christian, I don't know, what it means to work out, work out one's salvation? What do you think that guy, what does that mean? Okay. That whole thing of like, oh, how does that sentence go? Works don't produce faith, but faith produces works, right? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for uh, your for for clearing that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so yeah. So you're saying there's a faith behind it. Okay. Yes, sanctification is active and not passive. Well, I had a young man working for me way back when, and was was trying to uh, help him keep his life straight up. But the, you know, we prayed God, and the one thing he was bad about God is that he wanted God to make him a robot. In other words, that's not <laughs> what he said. Yeah. He was so wrapped up in sin, and some of it's sexual. That that he just thought as soon as he received Christ and all that stuff would just disappear. Mm-hmm. It would just it would just be wiped out. And it's like no, you have to still that fear of trembling. You, it's passing. You you're still responsible. You know you got to remove your you know, do whatever you got to do. Remove yourself from those situations and and be active in in, in yeah in your life. Actively making choices to turn towards God. Right. Yes. Yes, God God didn't He's always really interested in what my God free will, you know. Hmm. He didn't you know why God gave us free will. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> he also just you know, I want to do my own thing. Yeah. In this case he didn't. Yeah. Because he knew it was wrong if that makes sense. Yeah. And we we think about like just like he so just like he was just talking about, like who's the model he just he just gave us. He gave us Christ. And that that God man <laughs> was no robot, you know. Um, he was a man. He was like us. He made decisions, but he was fully committed to following the Father's will. It's both. Um, so often we want it to be one or the other. Just tell me exactly what it is. And it's just not that simple. We were talking about this last night. We got to visit with some people from Overland. We are talking about how Christians can... It's interesting when you get in a small group or Sunday school, you can get to this point where it's like the scripture that you're looking at is so specific. It's so cutting. But then it gets to a certain point with the application where it's like, but how do I apply this? And it's like, that I can't exactly tell you. That's your relationship with God. You need to talk to him. You need to know exactly how to apply this to your specific life. I can't, as a teacher, quite give that to you, but I could, I could tell you everything that you need to know in order to apply it, how to use it, and stuff like that. But at a certain point, the specifics come down to your relationship with God. See, it's both. It's like the information makes all the sense and it's all the answers, but 
I have to include my relationship with God to get the rest of the answers um, in my relationship with him. I don't know the reference, but it's taking every thought captive. Oh, wow. Yeah. Taking every thought captive, meditating on the Lord. I think a lot of us, um, oh, maybe not a lot of us, but I think it's easy to skip that part. Super important, meditating. It's kind of like the biggest part of your day. <laughs> it's like thinking about God all day. Think about what he just taught you all day. Not abandoning it. Well, I mean, sometimes you're going to think about the game, or you're going to think about the video game, or you're going to think about the date yet last night. But most of the day, even, even that, you're thinking about it underneath the umbrella of what is God teaching me? What, is, what am I doing? How do I apply at all times? Um, so that you stay lit, right? That sounded very youth, youthful. So you stay lit. You know what I'm saying, guys? What are you going to say, Bethany? I'm sorry. Um, I think, again, it's sanctification. Is, it's, all, it, it's always growing. Yeah. So, so what you were referring to is, you know, always being, you know, thinking, spiritually, being spiritually minded. I think that comes with maturity. Yeah. Spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, you never you never quite get there. You're always working. Mm-hmm. And it's always getting better. Right. If you're if you're working it out. Right. right. But on. Okay, I like this um, illustration. I don't know when I heard it. <laughs> Sounds like a John Mack thing or something. Oh and, no! Um, <laughs> it, but you've got a you've got a black piece of velvet, and you've got and you've got the um, diamonds, and the closer they uh. get together, the more black or the more clear. The mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think the the more mature you come, the more you realize the sin in your life. Right. The more, you, the more you understand, you know, even the little, what we consider the little things, you know, um, how how sinful they really are, mm-hmm. how they, you know, can hurt themselves or others. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I was meditating on that actually yesterday. I was driving and I was thinking about the whole thing of like how a lot of times the older, wiser Christians that you know are like this. The world's definitely getting worse. And, but I've talked to other people, they're like, well, I don't know, it just goes through seasons. I mean, look at how bad Sodom and Gomorrah was. Look at how bad things were before the flood. It was pretty bad. I don't know if it's always been getting worse. <clears throat> I was just wondering, maybe they're just so wise that they see the sin so much better than I do that it's so hard for every old Christian to not be like, it's definitely got to be getting worse. It's got <laughs> Because as they become closer to the velvet, they're like, it's so bad. It's so much worse, but God is so good, you know? Um, yeah, that's a great point. But yeah, again, looking to that therefore in verse 12, he just told us about Christ. Uh, working out your salvation is simply following the example of Christ and moving on into spiritual maturity like Bethany was talking about. And they just talk about how the pattern that he gives us is humility, putting others before ourselves, glorifying God, um, We should pray to have humility. We should pray to have personal holiness being set apart personally, having selfless service and 
really pushing into our sacrificial mission by the power of God's enabling grace. Again, the mission being the Great Commission, Matthew 28, making disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that God has taught us in here. Um, This takes a long time. It's a long process. As you know, it's not a shortcut. It's not a life hack. Uh, We live in a flashy, fast, and efficient world that will constantly be trying to pull us like, I don't know if what you're doing is working. It's taking too long, Um, which is funny because one of the things that we see in our world, it's still faster, but one of the things we see in our world that people are so proud of is like, something like I need to do, they they lose so much weight, or like they, they have this before and after, it's like, I was huge, and now I'm cut. Um, it takes so much time. That stuff takes so much time, and so much effort, and I think that's one of the best illustrations we have of what sanctification's like. It is spiritual weightlifting. It's like, I will do this again and again until it hurts, And it will make more and more sense. I will put myself through these trials instead of being like, why is this so hard? Why does this hurt so much? Why am I sweating so much? Just like, no, it's a gift. I can grow from this. Um, It's easy to show a spark of enthusiasm for a short time. Um, How many youth children went to a camp and had a spiritual experience and then that's it. You ask them about God, they'll be like, well, when I was young, I had, and that's it, right? It's much more difficult to get to that point, you know, where God in the end is like, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, that point where we live faithfully and we live consistently when no one is watching and no one cares. No one, human, unless you count Christ. <laughs> no one is watching, no one cares. Uh, we must draw near to God. He has the power to rekindle us in a passion for ordinary obedience. To go back to, I mean, from a human perspective, we call it the grind, but it's not really the grind. It's the growth, really. It's a good thing. It's the growth. Um, To keep going back to that, even though there's growing pains from time to time. It's a day-to-day thing. A moment-to-moment fight perseverance, a run. I still love, I think it's 2 Timothy, he tells us, be farmers, be athletes, be soldiers, be teachers. Those are all fantastic examples of what you were talking about earlier. These are not robots. These are people who seem like robots because they're so driven. Like an athlete is driven. A farmer gets up and pushes every day. A soldier does what he's told. A teacher comes back and he's like, he keeps teaching the same thing over and over. Um, These are people who are making decisions, but they're staying the course. They are staying the long course to run the race. Um, So another thing to consider is when he says your own here in uh, the end of 12, he says your own salvation. I'll be short on this. Basically with that, just don't think that it's only individual. It's also, he's talking to the whole church of Philippi. He's talking to the whole church. He's like, work out your own salvation. He's, as a church, Um, we can maintain, we can restore harmony in church by serving one another, the whole church. Um, We have to work this out together by serving one another. And we do that also individually as we work out our own salvation. It works together. Individually we work and then together we work with serving one another and it creates great harmony. And that's of course something all churches need, but of course we need here as well. 
So we need to work out our own salvation as individuals, but do so with brothers and sisters in the context of the local church. What do you think he means by fear and trembling? Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly? Okay, that's a good point. What else do you think he means? How else would you say that? Fear and trembling. Oh, okay. Okay. <clears throat> like the difficulty of it? Like move on even though it's yeah. difficult. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Don't take it lightly. It's going to be difficult. Move on. Yeah. Any others? Fear and trembling? This language sounds similar to some like Old Testament stuff. Great humility. Reverence. Reverence. Yep. Well, do, you know, I always re- reference back to my, to my earthly father. I was listening to J. Bernard McGee, and I thought, well, that's somewhat like me. The thing that kept me in check in high school, you know, that can be deviated, but uh, <laughs> was the fact that, you know, I knew, I had a fear, <laughs> I had a fear trembling of my father. Yeah. There's things I didn't do because I thought, I go, whoa, <clears throat> yep. what if dad finds out? Yep. Or, or you know, knowing, knowing that, okay, I'm representing my, there was that, okay, I'm representing Christ, or I'm representing God. I can't do this because I, you know, you know, grew up in a small community, teachers, almost like, quite a bad as a preacher's kid, but a teacher's kid, same thing, they wanted to rat on you, man. And so, so that was the big thing, you know. Jeff West, teacher's kid, what's he doing? <laughs> so, so that does that make sense? The whole yeah. fear. I mean, you know, was it was a healthy thing. It was a good thing, but it, it kept me in it kept me in check, knowing that uh, that uh, I was being watched. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We were talking about this at men's group a little bit. I'm fearing God, and we we're talking about like. Is that, that's very specific, isn't it? That's only specific to God. You don't really fear anybody else. Um, this fear and trembling, it implies that as Christians, like we were talking about earlier with the passage before, we should live in awe of God. We should not take it lightly. We should pursue into the fray and we should have reverence and have humility. All of this is part of because of who God is, because he's so him. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know a better way to say it. He's so him. Otherwise, I'd be here for a very long time <laughs> describing to you all the things in which we should be in awe. Um, we should live with humility before God and in submission to his will. Again, because of who he is, because of his power and his love and every, what he's done for us, even when he didn't have to. His great sovereignty over the whole story. Oh, my goodness. Um, one, one thing to sure. think, too, this could be in relation to one another, fear and trembling before each other. Paul said when he when he went through the Corinthians, said I didn't come to you with you know big words, and I came to you yeah. in fear and trembling. So it does have a at least the way Paul used it, it does carry a he uses the phrase in interpersonal relationships, that kind of thing, sort of a sort of humility. So. 
that could be part of what he's referring to here is because he's talking to them as a church. Yeah. Because you work out your salvation, it goes along with what you're mm, serving one another, yeah. The way you approach one another as well. So, yeah. You know, that's a possibility. Oh, absolutely. That's a great point. Because we don't want to get away from the greatest commandment. You know, we want to get away from loving your neighbor as yourself. And that ends up including loving your brother as well. We don't want to, we don't want to look at God and be like, he's so amazing. I'm so humble. I'm in awe. And then go to your brother and be like, like it doesn't, that's not really, it's uh, that's not ever what he has ever commanded. Uh, he's like, look at this and then do that, you know, project that to the world to glorify me. Um, be a light in this world as I am, not uh, be a light and be like, I'm brighter than you, so deal with it. No, uh, fear and trembling in front of each other, which, man, the amount of, gosh, the amount of problems that would solve in churches, if more in churches, if everybody committed to be, like, have fear and trembling toward God and each other, goodness gracious, the amount of things that would be solved. Uh, if we treated each other that way. It's a balance, isn't it? I mean, at least in my lifetime, you see, like, the church, you know, I grew up in the Methodist church, is all about love, 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 love. Mm -hmm. God is the one of love. But at the same time, we forget that God's a God of justice. If he's God of yeah. justice, there's got to be, I guess I want to use punishment, or there's, there's, there's a negative side to not following God. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we, we have a tendency, at least in my lifetime, in America, when I grew up in, to, to, to say what's well, about love, 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 love. Well, you do, there's, there's a penalty that you have to pay if you don't you follow that. And I, I think, you know, to be involved by our parents or whatever, but God loves us. I mean, it was very clear that God loves us first and he wants us to obey, but there's also that thing of, of yeah. you know, I mean, you know, when they went into the, when we went to Canaan, right? I mean, love, 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 love. But if you don't, yeah. here's what's happening. Boom, boom, boom. And you read those things. It was a great, that was some bad stuff that yeah. happened to them, right? Heavy stuff. But as long as you do this, mm -hmm. and I love you, and you love me, we're, we're golden. Yeah. I think we see that uh, the, the three, sorry, I'm so stuck on here, but those three levels that God has established of government, church, family, we see what you're talking about play out when it's done correctly um, in, in all of those situations. You see a government that's like, here's all this freedom, but if you do what's wrong, you're, you're gonna get judged. You see in the church, here's all this freedom, but if you won't stop sinning, church discipline. We can't have that here. You can't spread sin in this church. In the family, if you have a good father or a good mother, absolutely, so loving, but I need to remember, <laughs> like they're the ones who determine what happens to me if I go against them. Um, we see a great picture of this in Matthew 14. I'll breeze over it, but um, they're they're out on the water. They see him walking on the water, and what do they say? They're like the ghost. You know, um, I think that's a great picture. It's immediately followed by what happens. Peter wants to go out onto the water. He's like he's afraid, but he's like it's amazing. I, I must do this myself. <laughs> he goes out. And as long as he stays focused on God, he stays on the water. But when he loses focus, he sinks. And I think that's a big part of it too. How can I work out my salvation with fear and trembling if I'm not focusing on God? I can't. There's nothing to fear and tremble over. 
it's just the world. It's just complaining and it's awful and it's bad. <laughs> but if I'm keeping my focus on God, I can, I can work it out with fear and trembling and also, like Mike was saying, to everybody else because I'm keeping my focus on God like Peter did for a little bit. Um, got a breeze through here, sorry. He also comforts them. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is insanely comforting. We are not alone whatsoever. This whole road that we've been talking about, not only are we doing it, not only are we told pretty much exactly what to do when it comes down to the exact applications, we can go to our relationship with God for that. But he also says, I'm the one doing the work in you. The Holy Spirit, you're a temple, I'm in you, I'm doing the work. You're not gonna lose, man. You're not gonna lose, you know, daughter, anybody. It's it's just going to keep going. I just need you to obey. That's all I need you to do. Look at look at my scripture, look at the Israelites. I just need you to obey. If you obey, I'll bless you. If you don't, I will curse you. <laughs> Please obey. Um, the Holy Spirit was in, is within us. It's extremely comforting, and he comforts them with that. God is who works in you, both to will, his will is working in you, it will play out the way he wants, and it's for his good pleasure, he's pleased. You don't have to be like, oh, I feel like I'm not doing, it's, he's pleased. If you're doing what he wants you to do, even if it feels empty, you're cleaning the church toilet, you're witnessing to a guy and you feel like he didn't listen, it's, he's pleased, he's pleased. Keep trying to be better, but he's pleased. Um, this next big section is shining uh, in 14 and 16 he so he tells us kind of um, what we need to do and then he gets very practical about it in 14 through 16 very practical do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. This sounds a lot like Abraham. Walk before me blameless and you'll keep the covenant. Be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, Paul and all of us may be proud that we did not run in vain or labor in vain. But he's talking about himself specifically. Um, so a big part of it, similar to Psalm 1. And in Psalm 1, he's like, blessed is the man who doesn't do this, who doesn't do this, who doesn't do this. In this case, he's doing the same thing. Here's what you need to not do to shine. Do not grumble. Do not argue. Um, Christians, I think, I was going to ask as a group, don't have time. Uh, just think it over. Think it over why Christians do grumble, why they do dispute um, it's always sin-based. It's always selfish-based. Um, and but the reality is, is that the the road is narrow. And like you were saying, uh, Sean, it's completely countercultural. It's a perseverance completely against the the current. It's not easy. And there's a lot of reason if we adhere to the old man to complain and complain and complain and dispute between each other. Um, like the Israelites, right? They come out of Egypt and they complain and complain and complain, even though they were just brought out of slavery by God, which is exactly what happened to us. We were brought out of the slavery of the penalty of our sin and we're, we're working right now against the power of sin in our lives. He's giving us the means to do that. And we can be just like them. We can be just like them. We are just like them, deep down. 
we can just start complaining even though everything is better. Um, he says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That is not doing things by grumbling and complaining. Uh, the reason that we should avoid grumbling and complaining, he follows that up, so that to the this is about who we are in the world. This is how we shine. Um, the world, without truth, they will adhere to the grumbling, they will adhere to the complaining, to the cynicism, um, to the slanderous talk, all of it. And in our case, we get to appear as we, I mean, as blameless and innocent because of Christ's death, because he has forgiven us for our sin. He wants us to appear to this world as the children of God that we really are, without blemish, he says. Uh, people look on us and be like, I want to, it, it's almost like, it's that, it's, that weird, it's that weird meeting of the spiritual and the physical, where it's, it's almost like he's telling us non-Christians can tell. Like, they can tell that we've been forgiven for our sin. Because to say that we're without blemish, I mean, what does that mean in a world? It's like, we're all sinful, everybody knows it. But there's something going on there where God has the ability to be like, I will make you look as if, even, I mean, I'm being unfaithful when I say that. I will show the world that you are without blemish because of what Christ did. If you, one of the ways of doing that, don't grumble, don't dispute, don't divide. Um, he talks about it in Matthew 5. He talks about an eye for an eye you heard, but I say to you, you know, anyone slaps you on the right cheek, the right cheek uh, turn to him the other also. If anyone sues you to take, to take your tunic, let him have your cloak. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Um, just always, always go the extra, always be the radical example. And one of the most easiest things for us to do when we're going against the currents, be like, this is hard. I don't like it. I, ugh, every day, I, um, it's like, this is a very basic one. If you don't do this one, oh man, people are going to see. People are going to see the good works. They're going to look at that. I, oh, that's God. That's God. So that's a very practical one that we can all definitely take with us probably today. Although if there's some people here who don't grumble and complain very much, God bless you, <laughs> and please continue to be an example. Um, he goes on to tell us to hold fast to the word. This is extremely important, obviously. That's what we're doing here this morning, and I thank you for that. Hold fast to the word. Um, let me read it exactly. Sixteen, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. I want to talk about this really quick. I started coming back to church, gosh, I don't know, somebody else in here probably knows better, maybe four years ago. And when I was in church as a kid, I was a loner, jerk, didn't pay attention to anybody, totally self-involved, totally, you know, didn't care about anyone. I would serve in church and stuff, but I wasn't thinking about anybody else. I didn't love anybody. Um... Not the way I should have. But now when I come back, it's like, oh, I'm like kind of seeing the way church works. And I feel like there's these three attitudes in church. There's kind of a spectrum of how we hang on to the word, how we apply what the word says. And I feel like that spectrum is people who are idling 
people who are striving and people who are being. Again, this is my opinion. This is just something I've thought about. So don't take this too much to the bank. Just think it over and let it work inside of you. Idling, striving, being. And it feels like there's these people, the idling people who come to church, and it's, it's all input. They learn so much. And they, maybe even they have blessings. They have people from church helping them move, whatever it may be. And, but when it comes to doing it, when it comes to being like Christ, it, it's like they're disobeying, yeah, by not doing it. But at the same time, it's almost like they don't even understand how. They're just like, it's all there, but I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to apply it. But I'm just going to keep going to church because I do believe. And this is a really weird area with the idling. Because some of these people are definitely Christians. Some of them are not Christians. Some of them have been doing this for 40 years. They're lukewarm. It's revelation. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But there's other people who, they're, they're fine. They're just, it's going to take a little bit of time before they get to this next part of striving. In the striving section... I, f- I feel like I see a lot of people like this. I, I tend to see this. A lot of people between this, these sections, the striving and the being. This is a lot of input, and I feel like this, this kind of attitude is like, the word of God is absolutely true. Christ is so true. It's all true. And I'm st- I understand it, but the world is very difficult. The current is very difficult. And I kind of need to alter the way that I follow this kind of a little bit by that like so instead of just doing all of what this says i'm going to pick maybe five things and try to do those five and if i falter in other ways i'll just you know ask for forgiveness do my best but i'm just going to try to focus on maybe a few things because the reality is is that i'm a sinner and the world's difficult and you know i have to go to work and it's hard it's like there's this in-between place of like i want to apply this but there's a reality to my life that's kind of holding me back. And I think that's fine. I think that's you know, the way it should be. And, and, and by the way, I'm not judging anybody. I promise. We're all on this spectrum. It's just the way it is. And then the last part, I think, is where we see Paul and where we see Jesus. Um, obviously, Jesus before Paul. But Paul says, be an imitator of me as I am an imitator of Christ. And I feel like this is the kind of person who is looking at the word of God, all of this, of course, by God's grace and by his power. None of us are doing this in our own power, as we know. Praise God for that. This is the person who's like, this, I have to do this. There's no choice. I don't have, like, I have to do it. I don't care if I fail. I don't care. Like, I'm just going to keep trying every single thing that it says. Everything it says. I'm going to keep doing it. I don't care. You know, and you just keep doing it, and, and you look ridiculous. You look ridiculous to the world. You just keep doing it. People are like, oh, Christian guy, look, I just saw you curse again at work. Oh, uh, oh, well, how's that, uh, how's that uh, divorce going from five years ago, Mr. Christian guy, or Mr. Christian woman? It's like, I don't care. You just keep coming out. I have, you don't understand. I can't not do it. It's the only thing that I have. It's just, I have to be this. I can't be anything else. When I wake up in the morning, I have to be something. And this is it. I can't do anything else. I can't reason. I can't be over here and be like, this is good, but I don't know what to do. I can't be over here like, this is good, but I have to make it work with my life. It's just, I sell all my whole life to this. Um, And when it comes to 
what he's talking about with holding on to the word. I just want to encourage you to think about that spectrum and to just think about what will it take for me to get here to here to here to here. I know for me, it's kind of, it's kind of like, <laughs> it's like a lot of ping-ponging. This is going well. Oh, no, I don't care at all. That's bad. It's just all over the spectrum. But how do we get, you know, if, if it's one of those meters, how do we get to over here and kind of like stay over here um, as we grow? Because there's more growth going on over here. When we get over here, it's kind of idle, like he talks about in Thessalonians. Um, so we need to hang on to the word there and work out our salvation by really being like these people that are our example that went through so much, like Paul and Christ. I always think about how James was killed so quickly. And the last thing that he does, we'll end here, is he tells us to rejoice. He says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So right before that, he talks about, I don't want to run in vain. I don't want to labor in vain. So he changes the image of running and working to being a sacrificial offering. Um, the previous images of a runner and a laborer, they imply endurance, but this image implies the giving of one's own life. Um, any, can anyone here quote, quote uh, Romans 12, 1? Anybody got it? Just for fun. I thought it'd be fun. So close. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. Yeah, let's do it together. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. But Paul's main focus in this passage is the church's faithfulness and fruitfulness, and that comes before his own suffering and his own circumstances. Um, it's sacrificial. It's Christ-like love. Uh, just as wine was poured out in ancient Greek and Jewish sacrificial ceremonies, they'd pour out wine. Paul says he is glad, he's pleased, he's happy to pour out his blood for the advancement of the gospel. Uh, just as we saw in the passage before, just as Christ emptied himself, Paul is glad to pour out himself for the glory of God. What a good example. Um, he is a glad offering. He's not grumbling. He's not complaining. He's a glad offering. What a beautiful thing to be like Jesus. So Paul urges the church to follow his example of pouring out our lives in service to God and doing so gladly, rejoicing in our relationship with God through Christ. Jesus is Lord. I think we agree Jesus is worth it. And in Jesus and through Jesus, we are doing better than we deserve, far better than we deserve. There's great joy in that. Don't lose focus of that. Um, you, know, you know, any parent here, you have kids who are just like, they have so much. They're just like, I want the new thing. Come on. I don't have anything. I remember one time I heard my niece, they had just gone to Disney World and they came back and she wanted something. She was at my parents' dinner table. She's like, I don't get anything I want. And my brother was like, we just went to Disney World. And she was like, ah, like having to admit to herself how unappreciated. It's like, we have to remember uh, Disney World every day, every day. Um, so we must shine like stars in this dark world by working out our salvation. It's not just like, I can either be him today or I can't. 
I don't know, today I wasn't very bright, I lost today. It's like, no, you're working it out, you're working it out, you're working it out. People see the process, they see the growth. That's part of it, they see the growth. They, I know it's difficult, but people see, they see, they see. Um, with fear and trembling, humility toward God, like Mike said, humility toward each other. Showing our commitment to God and our focus on him, doing so gladly without grumbling, without complaining, without disputing. Showing the world that God is working within us and causing us, he's causing us to be, with his work within us, radically different than the rest of the world. Shining brightly where the rest of the world is dark, confused, and searching for us, searching for the truth of Jesus Christ. So we have to hold fast to the Bible by doing what it says, even to the point of gladly giving our lives like Christ for Christ. Mm-hmm.